The following podcast may contain content that is not suitable for all ages or sensitive ears. Please be responsible. Thank you, and donkey. Hello, Save Them family. Landon here. Welcome to this episode of the Save Them podcast. And uh, I, thought, I thought I'd mix it up today, you know, instead of being from the car, I thought I'd just be in the road. <laughs> yeah, I'm just out walking about, trying to clear my head a little bit. Got a bit of stuff going on at the moment. Oh, here comes a car. I know that that's a super unprofessional podcast podcast, uh, I don't know, modus operandi, but, uh, I don't care. <laughs> I just wanted to get this out. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a rough week and, uh, it's amazing the fights that the Lord pulls us into. Um, I'm going to focus this podcast on an update regarding state sanctioned child trafficking. There's been a little bit of an update and, uh, Specifically regarding the Afia Noel case, who you may remember if you listen through our multi-part series on Mission Scope, where we talked about state-sanctioned child trafficking. Uh, we've highlighted two interviews that Afia did, and uh, we're gonna. She just came on and, and did another interview. Things continue to get sour for her and her boys, and uh, she's now reaching the point where. She's not understanding if there are any options left, but other than to turn herself in against false charges, trumped up charges, uh, which could land her in prison for no good reason. So um, I'm going to go ahead and attach that interview to this podcast so that everybody can be up to speed to be praying for um, Afia and her boys. Uh, but also, who knows, maybe someone out there hears this and has some ideas about uh, family law, uh, specifically in the state of California. But I don't know. Who knows what the Lord will do. Maybe nothing with this podcast, but we'll see. So um, this child trafficking thing, I keep I keep getting... St- story after story, issue after issue of folks whose kids are stuck in the system uh, when it comes to the state-sanctioned child trafficking. Man, and it is an impossible fight in many regards, especially in the United States. It, this, this, this country structures are so geared towards protecting the perpetrators that the vulnerable are really stuck and there's not a lot of help help available um you know um nothing in the way of resource and let's just say recourse um because what happens is a vulnerable lady can be totally destroyed by her husband uh the kids equally destroyed and there's no one really going to bat for her or for them you know so i I think about the book of james uh when he talks about pure religion being standing in the gap for the widows and orphans 
Well, there, right there, there you go. That's that's the mission of the church, be, um, because there is no protection for them. They're the vulnerable. They're the most easily targeted, and and nothing has changed in thousands of years. So here we are. Um, so, anyways, I'll attach that. Um, but yeah, this uh, this week has been quite something, and I hope you can hear kids playing, cars driving by, and you know that's how that's how it should be. Um, unfortunately, for ladies like Afia, she's locked up in seclusion somewhere and hadn't seen her kids for two years. You know, it just makes me so. Oh, there's just so many words that we try to throw at things. Sad, frustrated, angry, whatever. I, but uh, for me, I, I guess the, the pervasive one would be hopeless. Uh, and that's that's where we really need the Lord to fight our battles for us. We're, we're, we're finite beings. Like, we can only do so much. And you start balancing all the different parameters of your your life and... There's only so much you can do. So, um, really hoping the Lord will step in, intervene, you know, and, and, and that's a desire that I have, that other people have. Um, but who knows what the Lord's plan is on that? You know, I'm, I'm sure there are lots of people that didn't want Paul to go to jail, and yet he ends up in jail and writes most of the New Testament. So, I don't know. Sometimes the picture is bigger, and Afia does allude to that in the interview that I'm going to attach, she does talk about the fact that maybe she has to be the one to stand in the gap and, and blow the system open on behalf of other women and children who are going through the same thing because she's willing to speak up and speak out and take it public and take the fight public and really put it in everybody's sphere. The problem with a lot of these things, and it applies to our work as well, is that when you're always under the radar, well, you're only you're kind of limited in, in scope because you can only do what you specifically can do, um, and you and you know your networks, if you will, that are flying below the radar. Uh, sometimes, depending on the mission set, you need to go big and <laughs> blow it wide open, and then grab more people into the fight, um, get people involved. So we'll see. I, I do think when it comes to domestic abuse and, and child abuse and then state-sanctioned child trafficking, bigger is better because the law is your enemy in many regards, and, and that does make a lot of sense. Because, okay, Sophia and her boys have their case resolved, but systemically it's, it's happening to thousands. Then what? Does anything really change? Um... At a macro level, no. So we'll see. See what the Lord does. Uh, he does work through Gideon's army, and we trust in that. And, uh, oh, by the way, I don't know if my good buddy Gideon ever listens to this podcast, but if you're out there, man, uh, yeah, I always think of you every time we do a Gideon's army reference. Uh, but anyway, uh, just to, to give you a little bit uh, further, just kind of insight into this week, it's been really tough on on both fronts, uh, I say rough, I mean, I don't want to speak in hyperbole here, I don't want to overblow my own situation, 
but, but it just hasn't gone smoothly uh, in different aspects. So in South Africa, we are kind of involved, aware. There's a situation where a, a safe house type operation is rogue, um, working for the enemy, full of corruption, blah, 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 and is working hard to undo the good work of Christians in government. Now, this safe house calls itself Christian. Ha, ha, ha. And that's where the rubber hits the road. And oftentimes, over and over and over again in our fight, we find that the apostate church, the social justice kind of do-it-for-myself crowd who kind of believe that the the Bible is optional and we can just kind of extract whatever we want and reinterpret everything to our own culture, that kind of deal is the biggest enemy of the body of Christ. It's, it's kind of not too different from cults, the way that cults slightly manipulate verbiage. Like, I think I mentioned last time I was, uh, about the Jehovah's Witnesses, how the Jehovah's Witnesses just slightly change John 1 to say that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was a God. So that they can basically strip Jesus of his divinity. And there you go. So A, just the letter A, the word A, changes the whole of a belief system. And it changes the whole um, package of truth that God has given us and that you know Christ brought to this earth. So... Uh, that that kind of thing is is rampant. So, anyhow, people who call themselves Christians but they're not, you know, people who call themselves Jews but we're not, <laughs> the synagogue of Satan, they're they're up and about. And anyway, so we're we're quite involved in in helping where we can to shine truth into that situation. It's so destructive. You got people who have given their lives and careers to helping others. And then you get some self-interested, do-nothing, non-profit, whatever, who's masquerading as some kind of Christian organization. And then they go in and they just tear apart those who are worthwhile. You know, so... So we're, we're busy with that. The Lord always calls us into these environments. It's, I don't, I, I was like, why? <laughs> why is this the thing that we're always having to do? We're always called into the middle of these situations where we are used as the prod to uh, just expose false Christianity in so many different environments. It's, it's fascinating to watch this play out and we used to get a little frustrated with it earlier on in our, you know, in our walk, but now, now we just, just go with it, watch the Lord work, and obediently just 
we're just used this as chess pieces. And what's so cool is it's just checkmate after checkmate after checkmate. And these guys think they're so cool and they think they're so smart that they've got this thing all figured out. And meanwhile, what they forgot is that they're serving the father of lies and that that eventually unravels. <laughs> um, they're so misled and uh, it never works out for the darkness. Uh, it just takes a little bit of light, um, you know, slathered with a whole bunch of truth. And there you go. Uh, that's how this usually happens. So, and then we got this other stuff going, uh, stateside, just super frustrating. You know, you try to, try to do some really good work. You, you try to work with, with folks, again, who kind of profess certain things and, and they make promises and they say things and directly to your face. And then they do the opposite of what they said. And, um... What's always amusing is when they take it upon themselves to then create stories about uh, others, <laughs> even though they boldface lied to you <laughs> and <laughs> turned around and went the other way. But they just so I guess when it comes to the world of charlatans, a lie is a lie, and a liar is a liar, and and he returns to his slop and um. I guess that's just the way that works out. I, um, I don't have any other real explanations other than when we as humanity are self-interested and we're willing to do anything at all costs to justify our own God complex, we'll say and do pretty much anything. Um, our, our benchmark and our framework for justification lies within ourselves. So if we're only accountable to ourselves and we can rationalize anything to ourselves, then it doesn't really matter, does it? Whereas if we're accountable to the Lord and adhering to his benchmark of truth, then our framework for reflecting on the words that come out of our mouth are held to a different standard and they're held outside of ourselves. So people we expect would be able to objectively look at what we say and do and say that's inconsistent that's lying you profess a belief in not lying therefore you're inconsistent in what you are saying and doing and that would bother us and that would lead to a heart of repentance okay so that's that's the Christian walk because we're walking with the Holy Spirit uh but that's not what we experienced this week. We've just, yeah, had a, had a rough go. So um, I would ask you for prayer, um, you know, real, genuine, prayerful <laughs> engagement just for the hearts and minds of our, our teams who have had the rug pulled out from under them yet again, um, specifically on the funding side of some initiatives uh, yeah, we were led to believe certain things and then, uh, just pretty much saw an about face and that's disappointing. It's extremely disappointing. I don't like that. You know, I, I don't want to live in a world where people just set you up and then lie to you for their own s pursuit of self, <laughs> you know, I, and I don't really care all the, the, reasons and motivations behind people's 
unyielding devotion to lying. Um, you know, I was there, point in my life where the lies just flowed off my lips like butter. It was just, or like honey or syrup, whatever thing you want to, I mean, I was, I was, I could wax lyrical in untruth. But that has changed, and um, it really bothers me now. It, it really, really, really bothers me. So I would just ask for prayer that it would bother those who are consumed by it, by lying, and that their hearts would be opened up to a, a, the truth, which lies outside of themselves. And, um, yeah, that's it's disappointing. But that's where we are. So... Um, one one good thing about a lot of situations like like these, both in South Africa and the U.S., is that we see that the Lord protects His children. He He protects us from these environments, these situations. He helps us see quickly and with clarity the lies of the enemy, and it's not very comfortable experience, but at least we, we recenter on truth and we're grounded in truth and we're, we're relying on him and we're walking with him and we can just dismiss those untruths and walk away from it. And, and he protects us in that because the ultimate out outcome, if we are stuck under the, the thumb of the unrighteous is that we will meet their doom. You know, we will end up in a situation where they're controlling our fate because we came under their umbrella. And so we're thankful. We're just thankful that the Lord protects us in that way and just ask for the energy and the patience to re-engage. I mean, who wants to live their whole life just assuming that every single person you talk to is lying to you. That sucks. I mean, it's a level of paranoia I just can't contemplate. I don't really want to. I don't want to believe that every person I engage with, especially those who call themselves Christians, is looking to, you know, pull the wool over my eyes. Or It kind of reminded me when I, when I moved... I, you know, I grew up in Texas, and then I went to college in the Northeast and uh, Massachusetts. And it reminds me of when I went to college. And so, when you grow up in Texas, you'll say "howdy" to people on the street, and it's just a friendly smile, a greeting, and uh, it's just it's just being kind, right? Well, I remember going to Boston, and um, I was walking around and. I would see people on the street. I'd just make eye contact with them, just give them a smile, say howdy. And they would look back at the ground and shuffle away quickly and uh, kind of like, hey, what, what, why are you talking to me? What, what's... And what I realized the longer I live there is that there, there's a little bit of a, a, a culture where um, if you're kind of from the outside and you're obviously from the outside, that there's a little bit of distrust there. Uh, in fact, probably a lot of distrust. And they, and they, people would tell me this, that they assumed I wanted something from them, that I, was, I had an agenda behind my, my howdiness. <laughs> and I genuinely didn't understand that I was just 
saying a friendly greeting. It's like when you're when you're at a restaurant you know, down south and someone says, "How you doing?" And then there's this awkward pause because they're waiting for you to actually tell them. They genuinely want to know how you're doing. They're they're not just it's not just a throwaway question. They actually want to know. They care. Not all the time, but I mean, just as a general principle, yeah, they do care. They want to know. They want to make sure you're having a good day. They care. They don't want you to be down in the dumps because down in the dumps sucks. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, but then what I learned in Boston as, as I was there for a while is that um, as you warm up to people and that, that trust barrier lowers, uh, they're they are very welcoming and warm and, and they do have strong loyalties attached to friendship. Um, but that, that loyalty is earned. It's not an overnight thing. Um, so it's just, it's just kind of the way culture goes, but I just, I say that just to say that that cultural shift from howdiness to, um, distrusting evaluation of agenda was kind of awkward. It was kind of hard. And it made me question a lot of the, the cultural principles that we have in our society. And then to take that and overlay it on people who were genuine about their belief in Christ and, their, and yet their, their cultural predilection, or I don't know how you say that, but just their cultural foundations uh, manifested in different ways that if you thought your culture was Christianity and you went to another culture where they were also Christian, you might confuse the two. You might think they were not Christian just because their shell was hard and it it needed to thaw out or or something like that. It was icy and needed to thaw out. You might confuse the cultural differences with the Christianity. So that was an interesting learning curve it has given me patience in the interactions I have in this work. But I think it's also given us the ability to discern quite clearly. I mean, maybe earlier on in the process, as you get burned over and over and over again by lies, you, you maybe become a little more attuned to what that looks like and pick up on it sooner so the damage is less. And, um, and the Lord's equipping us in that way. It's not evaluating someone's beliefs. You're not saying, hey, um, you know, this, this person is a liar. They call themselves a Christian. Therefore, they must be apostate. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that when you encounter apostasy and then the apostasy says we're Christian and then they lie to you, you're not surprised. Because you know that lying is a core principle of apostasy. See there? See what the, because the apostasy takes truth and twists it into lies. So you're not surprised. And your, your heart doesn't get as broken when these situations happen. Um, it's never nice. But you're able to cope and rebound. Whereas early on when we maybe weren't so attuned to all this, it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating when our quote-unquote Christian brothers and sisters destroyed us. 
well, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can see that they were playing games with us and they weren't really Christian, but that that's neither here nor there because at the time, that's not what we were thinking and experiencing, and right? So I'm glad that the Lord equips us to be protected in these ways. It, it, it's not great, um, but hey, so be it. I, I, I sometimes wonder if guys like Joshua and Caleb, what they had been through in their interpersonal relationships with the do-nothings, who didn't want to go and take on the giants uh, because they were in the vast minority, right? And I often feel like that's where we are. What, what had they gone through? What were the interpersonal experiences they had had uh, so that the Lord was preparing them to arrive at the, that, that decision that day where they said, we'll fight, let's go. <laughs> we're either with the Lord or we're not. You know, us plus the Lord equals victory. What's up? What's wrong with the rest of you guys? They had to already have been at a place where they could, they could, how do you say this? Whip out their courage, but with certainty. You know, it's not like you just wake up one day and you're like, hey man, I'm going to go just be unequivocally courageous and uh, grounded. No, that's, that's maybe it happens, but it, I would think that's rare because that's not how we function as human beings. Uh, we're a pattern based intelligence. It takes a while for experiences and knowledge to shape the way the patterns work in our brain so that we can recognize danger and flee. We don't just have that, you know, the, the wisdom that comes from the application of knowledge takes time. And, uh, you know, last comment, and then I'll, I'll pass you over to the interview with Afia. So at our church, we've got different Bible studies. And um, I like attending the Bible study that has all the elderly people in it. And I say elderly, more elder than me. I, should, I shouldn't have said elderly. I should have said more elder than me. Um, because... I value their wisdom more than an interesting conversation. There are other settings where I really value an interesting conversation about scripture, but in that environment, I want to I want to hear the the wisdom of the application of scripture that is grounded in years more experience than my own. I want, to, I want to understand from them how they process the Word of God as they've applied it through their lives. And I, I want to be able to absorb that um, and speed up my process in a pursuit of, of wisdom that's grounded in the Lord. And... Um, it's just a desire of my heart is all. Maybe it's, I say maybe. It is very selfish of me, for sure. Uh, no doubt. Um, but the pursuit of wisdom in the Lord just kind of seems like the thing to do. <laughs> I don't know. I can't really imagine anything else worth, worth pursuing. Um, and then he guides us, right? He fights our battles. So anyhow, um, 
And not that I don't love the other Bible studies at our church. I mean, they're amazing. Uh, but anyway, it's just not where the Lord has me at this time. Hey, um, I'm going to give you this update on state-sanctioned child trafficking. And then uh, next time, I want to read and comment through a chapter that we're doing in our Bible study, uh, which is on the book of James. And uh, this, this Bible study that we had uh, this morning was, was really hard-hitting for me personally. And uh, I think there's a lot that ties into our work and ties into those who care about caring for others. And uh, I, I just want it, to, it's a, just a few pages in this study guide that we're doing uh, by this really cool pastor called Sinclair Ferguson. And uh, I just want to read through it. I want to talk to you about it. And hopefully um, it'll get us all thinking a little bit about what it means to walk in our faith. Fantastic. Absolutely hard-hitting stuff. So I will put that up at the next podcast. Um, for now, let's focus a little bit in on Afia and her battle for her children. Please take a posture of warfighting prayer. We need to, to launch serious missiles um, against the enemy, and we need to reshape uh, the spiritual domain in this regard. We need to be very engaged in praying for Afia and her kids and against the works of the enemy. So I'm going to pass you over there now. And this is Landon and I'm out. Cheers. Coming to you from the HagmanReport.com studio. Located in the Keystone State, birthplace of a mighty nation, it's your host, Doug Hagman. And welcome to Hagman, very special edition of the Hagman Report on this, the ninth day of February, 2024. I'm Doug Hagman. Of course, um, I'm on the road on assignment. Number of different things taking place. I'm down in the uh, actually south part of the United States, but working on some things that relate to what we are about to talk about. Now, I'm coming to you with two very special guests. Number one, uh, Luke from ShatterOps.org. And the second person, someone you haven't heard in a while or heard from in a while, and her name, of course, is Afia. And she is a, the victim, and I'm going to get into this momentarily, she's a victim of, of some unconscionable things taking place within our injustice system. Now, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm on the road in part, is to deal with things like this, although I'm not dealing with this directly. Just want to be clear on that. Uh, but what I've heard over the last several days has uh, required, I mean, this is a requirement that we get this story out, that we get Afia's story out. Many of you have sent me emails asking me, well, what's going on with Afia? And you, write me, you might remember, we had her on twice before. She is a mother of two children, um, Jesse Jr., who is now 12 years old, taken by her ex-husband when he was 10. She has not seen him since 
that for the last two years. And another child by the name of Asher, taken before he turned two years old, he's now four. Again, she has not seen him since that time. You have a court in L.A. County, Los Angeles, that's California, that's on the left coast, um, who decided in, in the family court, despite evidence of abuse, despite many things, and Luke will explain this, that the endangered children would be placed with the father. Now, not having this, of course, and acting as any mother would, Afia went in there, took the children, and as a result, and folks, listen to me carefully, because this is the system, this is the system the left, the Soros DAs have built, the weaponized system that we are fighting, that actually, I'm on the ground fighting right now uh, for for other reasons, but Afia, this is the, this is the big thing. There are two warrants for her arrest. Two, count them, two. Subject to a half a million dollars bail. I know I know of cases where people have executed others and walked out with little or no bail. Again, in the Soros swamp, in the deep state swamp. Now, folks, I'm really, for, for me to, to stop what I'm doing and to bring a few, I'm pissed off. I'm pissed off at the inaction uh, uh, of, of the so-called Christian conservatives out there. I'm pissed off at the system. And I'm not having any of this, okay? I, I, I just, you, you cannot believe. I mean, I, I, was, I was vibrating for the last half hour listening to Afia, listening to the, the just what she's going through. To make sense of this, if that's even possible, or to articulate this better than my angry self can at the moment, is Luke from ShatterOps, ShatterOps.org. The link will be in the program description box. Folks, please do me a favor. Support ShatterOps, but do me a, a favor as well. If you are an attorney with a conscience, if you are someone who's maybe an expert in exfiltration or what I, I look, I don't know, with a conscience, then get a hold of LukeShatterOps.org. Um, you'll, you'll know what to do. But with that, folks, I'm going to turn this over to LukeShatterOps.org. He's going to set this up, bring Afia on, and uh, from there we can we can go. Go ahead. Doug, thank you very much for, for having us on again. Um, you know, this is one of the most frustrating things. And, I mean, we're a part of a lot of frustrating cases for sure, but this is probably the top of the list. What, what we've known about for the last – you know, a couple years, you know, trying to step in and help just the injustice that has gone on um, really across two states here. Um, I would just encourage anybody that, that's jumping in, if you haven't seen the first two shows, to uh, 
to try to watch both of those. It'll help probably what we're going to get into today make a little more sense. I don't know that I can I can uh, do it right just to quickly try to give you an overview. But um, the atrocity of just what the the judges have done um, in California to start with. I mean, you got a guy who originally had the um, restraining order put on him. Um, unfortunately, him being connected in the Hollywood realm and the police either not taking it seriously or not wanting to do anything about the evidence and the opportunity they had to protect Afia and her kids is just crazy. Um, and then the proceedings of the court to, to do what they did. Um, and I mean, I've even had, you know, friends of ours that are superior court judges and magistrate court judges look into the, um, the rulings and things, and they're just, they're flabbergasted. I mean, they leave with their jaw just dropped saying, this makes no sense whatsoever. This is just the most bizarre thing that I've seen to do this to a mother and literally give the father absolutely everything, including the businesses the Afia had owned and built. Um, it is just insane, uh, court appointed, um, people that do them, um, psychologists or whatever, looking in to see if, if, uh, what Jesse went through was real. And they said, yes, um, the judges not even taking that into account um, and really just forcing her hand for her own safety and for the safety of her, her kids to just try to do something because nobody would believe um, the kids. Nobody would believe what she was really saying. Um, the, the scumbag husband, you know, threatening her life, saying, hey, I'm going to look, you look crazy. I'm going to I'm going to kill you. No one's going to ever find you. And he proceeded to do exactly what he said he was going to do. Um, actually. Never uh, any evidence that she did anything wrong or she obviously was not crazy. She's completely sane the whole time and no one said she was. But yet just this corrupt system was able to just take everything. And I mean, everything away from her and her ability to fight. Um, and I'll let her jump in and Afia, thanks for, for coming on and just sharing a little bit of your story and some other information you found out. Um, I know I can't articulate it near as well, the passion that you have, but uh, I mean, I just want to tell everybody it is completely just unbelievably frustrating and more people need to know about it. More people need to look into it. We've been trying to help, find lawyers, family attorneys, criminal attorneys to just help out. And it is no one seems to want to help. Even advocate um, groups out there in California, nobody wants to touch it whatsoever. Because when they start asking the questions, well, what happened about CPS? What happened about them getting involved? And they figure out that they had been involved and they actually did nothing. They just want to go hands off because they're like, uh, I don't want to get involved because there's some shady business going on and I don't want to get drug into it. So. Um, Afia, thanks for jumping in with us and please, um, you know, kind of start from there, if you will. I know I made a mess of it, but uh, <laughs> he's coming and, and, and uh, clean this up. So. OK, no problem. Thank you so much, Luke. And thank you, Doug, uh, for having me on again. I really appreciate it. I I feel at this point that the only thing I have is my voice. And to just not stop talking under any circumstance about what's going on because I see how terrifying the situation is, how terrifying the legal system is and the people involved. And what it does is it shuts you up. And every step of the way, I just look to God and I just take another step forward and I just keep going. And it's just something my inner 
like drive to get back to my children and make sure they're safe. It just is you throw caution to the wind at that point and you just keep moving forward because what is your life even worth? You know, if you can't protect your children, if, if what is our government worth? What is this country worth? If they don't give you the opportunity to protect your children, if they don't listen to you and just wanted to give a couple of details of, of what I went through just briefly, because I've spoken about it before, but um, some horror, I was under basically living under the roof with my ex-husband. What my children and I went through was there's no other way to describe it, but just like a living hell, a living hell until the day we got out. Um, I actually, um, there was a lot of, you know, alcohol involved. Um, my husband one night drank an entire bottle of Jack Daniels and I had to run into the bedroom where he was suffocating my son with his head underneath a pillow, his entire body on top of him. I had to pull him off. Um, around that same time, I was applying to get a restraining order. I didn't know anything about the law. I didn't know anything. You know, I assumed growing up when I was taught that, that if you tell the police that something is going on with you, um, that they help you, I was wrong. Um, they're either corrupt or inept or a combination of the both. I still can't tell. With some people I can, it's obvious, but some people it's just hard to say if they're just going along to get along because they don't want to get involved because there's some scary people behind this. Um, at one point um, prior, just prior to receiving the restraining order, um, I had looked at uh, my ex-husband's computer. It was horrifying what I found. Um, a lot of um, Googling um, family porn, mother and son porn, child porn, of which one morning when I woke up beside him, he had his cell phone on and I, I saw a group, prepubescent um, children. So, and from what I understand, because I didn't know anything about domestic violence, I didn't know that this was such a huge problem in our country, but this is what's going on and it's ruining families. It's ruining families, it's ruining children. I mean, it's, it's, it's destroying us and, and it's, it's like a rot that's corrupting us from the inside for our entire country because you destroy the family, you destroy everything. So yeah, and the death threats were prevalent every day, just threatening, we had a large, yard you know he he worked in hollywood his father has academy awards he works on academy award winning films so he i didn't understand that in los angeles area you know there's some power there if you're in that industry he threatened to lock me up in the basement where no one could find me he threatened that if i ever leave left that he would destroy me and the crazy thing is that he actually came close but he didn't and he won't. And honestly, if, um, if my children weren't out there, I could disappear. And they know this because I've been gone for two years. I could disappear and I would never reemerge, but I will never disappear. And I will never stop talking because they are still out there and I will get to them. Mark my words. I will get back to them. Sophia, if I may, just to kind of catch people up on this, um, you, you had ample evidence of 
sexual child sexual exploitation threats against your life against your children's lives um all of this you did submit to the proper authorities and at some point okay they they really didn't do anything with the evidence that you provided rather they award ultimately to, to kind of cut to the bottom line here they they awarded him custody you in response grabbed the two children your children and fled as a consequence to that they swore out uh child abduction two child abduction warrants two counts of child abduction um that that would give you the potential of what two years in prison and fines out, out the you know incredible fines um and the potential of uh, half a million dollars bail so the the next step would happen next was they found you somehow the authorities found you um took the children gave the children back to the abusive i'll say allegedly abusive parent and i'm being charitable there and that's where they are right now so you are in a position where you've got warrants out against you you are hiding or you are being um provided uh, with, with a safe house basically but you are in a position where you need to want to and and by all means deserve to see your uh, your children and you don't know exactly where they stand what has happened um in terms of of abuse any ongoing abuse am i correct so far yes uh, just a couple of details um that i should clarify when i fled because the system wasn't helping me and keep in mind um the judge appointed a child psychologist dr diane kelly to speak for my son in court she interviewed him she testified to all of the abuse he endured in court and i'm not going to discuss the sexual and physical abuse that's a sensitive area but she brought it all up in court my son called me his protector and the judge completely disregarded her statement which it was his appointed psychologist and that from what i understand is is the major her testimony holds the most weight so he completely disregarded that also um when i at one point when the judge threatened to throw me in jail unless i handed my children over to my ex-husband who at the time had an open sexual abuse case against him with the Pasadena police department he forced me it's like it's like forcing um somebody who was raped to be in the custody of the rapist while the investigation is going on so he forces me with threat of jail when i received the children back they were in terrible condition they were my my little two-year-old had bruises all down on his legs it smelled like they hadn't um been bathed or showered um they, they they were crying they could not be consoled they were begging me do not return us to their dad's house also they were living at grandma and grandpa's who in and of themselves are horrifying people so i had joint custody when I fled that night, I only had them for two nights. I fled that night, according to a, a legal 
illegal means, which was the UCCJEA, which is a law that if you're not getting protection in a certain state, you can flee to another state. Then when I got to the other state, which was Georgia, I immediately register with the police. So I followed their protocol. I, I did it their way. I, I kept believing that the law would help me just because I was naive. So I thought, okay, well, there's just a problem here. I can go somewhere else. Little did I know that you can't run from this kind of thing. It's happening all over our country. That's why I'm just urging parents to, actually, I would like to urge domestic violence victims to be very, very careful. Um, it's almost, I don't know if I can say this, but it's almost better to take your children and disappear and just never to be found again than to try to go through the law. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I'm going it through this legally because I trust not in the law, but I trust in God. And I trust that there are still people out there that also will do what's right. Even if they're few and far between, we need to stand up and do that. And, and there's also a couple of cases, one out of Pasadena, which is a very prominent city in Los Angeles County, um, where I'm from, where um, they passed a new law. It's called Peaky's Law over a five-year-old boy in the same town, the same legal system that I came from, who the mother, it's an identical situation to mine. The mother filed and got a restraining order against her abusive husband. They still gave them 50-50 custody, custody because that's what they do no matter what. They don't care about abuse in California. Or I don't think many other states, to be honest. So no matter what's going on, eventually they just give you 50-50 custody. So she had to hand over her little adorable boy by the way just adorable boy the father takes him to disneyland they get back from disneyland he kills him he kills his son so this is the same situation so the mother no one's fighting for the mother no one apologizes to the mother she starts working working with a domestic violence group to develop to develop peaky's law which basically says that as of now Judges like uh, Judge Michael R. Powell in my situation, who's either corrupt or inept, I don't know what, all of a sudden now they're required to be trained and educated in domestic violence. We're talking family court judges just now need to know what they're doing before they make a ruling. So we're talking judges, male and female, who know nothing about domestic violence. Our, I remember one time Judge Powell told me when I had a letter because my son was having seizures due to abuse, uh, his neurologist at the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles wrote me a letter saying, it is unhealthy to move this son, um, my son, Jesse Jr., from my custody to his father's custody. I had that letter and I presented it to the judge in court where the neurologist is saying, we need to do special tests to see, there was a special test they could do to see if it was the mother or the father um, that was the abuser. And I was planning to do that test. They blocked me from that. So the judge said, oh, well, I, I don't think this doctor knows what they're doing. They're working out of a vacuum. So they're making these decisions when they don't work in domestic violence. They don't understand. I didn't even know what domestic violence was. I had to Google all the things that my ex-husband was doing to me. And then I'm like, oh, this is domestic violence. I don't, you know. So this is just insane. And even though I applaud, you know, Peaky's mother, <laughs> This is not enough. It's not enough to educate these people. They need to be held accountable. Our judges and our legal system, people who do this need to be criminally held accountable for what they're doing. They're destroying children. 
how how are how are children supposed to get over this you know and then there's a second case that also comes out of los angeles big surprise two young girls sisters um around 15 16 years old they fled to their grandmother's house because they were being abused in the home um the same thing as what happened to to my sons the police went in there and violently picked them off. They had bruises and scrapes from the police officers, picked them up and removed them against their will. And we're talking 15 and 60 year olds who, who told Judge Connolly is her name. They told Judge Connolly, they testified themselves. You know, they're almost adults to the abuse. And the judge said, oh, I don't believe them. And Judge Powell said the same thing about my son. Oh, I don't believe them. The Pasadena Police Department. Oh, I don't believe your son, Jesse Jr. You know, who are you to like they're calling my son a liar? I believe him because he told me a lot after I filed the restraining order and Jesse Sr., my ex-husband, was away. He opened up to me and told me a lot of additional things that went on. And I was shocked. But I never sat there and said, oh, oh, did you did, uh, you must have you know seen this somewhere, heard this somewhere? No, that's what they're saying about these kids. Not only that, they sent these girls to what they call. Um, it's something like a re they call it reunification, a reunification camp where you where the state pays up to 10 grand per child to spend four days in a camp. OK, where they force the child or coerce the child to recanting their testimony of abuse. So it makes the judge and everybody look great. And who knows who's getting kickbacks for what? Right. Ten grand a pop. That's a lot of money. Um, and so you tell me yeah. if you know, if you know who is in charge of these. Re I mean, it, what NGO, if any, um, that photograph up there is um, is got my spidey senses going. Uh, but, but I mean, but who, who's in charge of these reunification camps? Where's the money coming from and, and, and who's in charge? If you know, I, I don't really know, but all I know is this. I don't know as far as how the money trail goes. I just know, you know, 10 grand a pop, you get 10 kids. That's a hundred thousand dollars. You know what I mean? So, sure. and they're doing this. I'm convinced with thousands of children because I we've had, since I've come out publicly, we've had story after story. I do know this. However, these camps are unregulated. So they're, they're farming children out to these camps, brainwashing them, to basically say probably terrorizing them um, and a mixture of whatever. Um, and no one's regulating these camps. No one's seeing like what's happening at these camps because of these two girls um, testimony and Peaky's law, this is now illegal. But one thing I'd like to bring up is that, um, that we have a letter from the Pasadena police department that says, Oh, we didn't have any body cam footage in your friend's house when we physically removed your sons. That's because Peaky's law made it illegal. So they went in there without, but, and that's in, in Georgia, in Fayette County. So they, the Fayette County police, the Peachtree City police and the LA County police went in there illegally with their, and, and it's a miracle because right when they step outside the door, all of a sudden they turn on their body cam. They press that little button on their suit and the body cam footage resumes. But guess what? Because it's illegal, they don't have any evidence of it. But guess what? There are plenty. There was the babysitter 
the ch other children were there. So if we get those people's testimony, um, I know that my son would never leave willingly. If you look at the body cam footage from the outside of the door, um, he was running around screaming where there were like seven or 10 police officers saying, I, where's my mommy? My daddy hurt me. My daddy did this. My daddy touched my penis. He said a lot of dramatic things. And it was like, they were deaf and blind. They didn't even look at him. Is it, but, but just to be clear, is this the footage that we showed the last time you were on this platform? Yes, it is. It's the 11 minute body cam footage. And if you go on to rumble, and you can search my name, Apphia, A-P-P-H-I-A. You'll see it says 11-minute body cam footage. It's horrifying. I, I've actually only seen it a few times myself because it just puts me in a very, very dark place. But if you want to know what's really happening, and you know what? People think this doesn't affect them. I mean, they are taking children right and left, our government, and doing whatever they want to them. It's not just in situations. This is not a bad divorce. I mean, they're doing it with other things, too, that I won't get into. But if you're reading the news and you're paying attention, our children, we don't own. We have no sovereign rights over our children anymore. It's like it's like our children. It's like communist China. Our children are not our own. They the government wants to raise our children for us. And that's a terrifying thing. You know, well, Afia, I, I want to ask you to provide our listeners and viewers with your website uh, where people can read more about your story, you, everything that's going on. Just just what I have here is Psalm, Psalm 91 protection.com. Is that correct? Yes. Just to be clear, that that isn't my website, but there's several news organizations and several domestic violence organizations that have been I've pretty much spoken to anybody that will talk to me about this just to let people know what's going on. And so they are keeping abreast of my case as well as other cases and reporting it on that website. Um, there's also other news outlets that are pro reporting it, including yours. So, yes, but that's a great place if you want to find resources on this type of, I don't even want to call it domestic violence because it's violence. It's oppressive violence from coming from the government and locally uh, at a local level against the people. So I don't even know how to name that, but it's beyond domestic violence. And this is this is my proof of that. Okay. All right. When I filed for my restraining order, I thought I did that because I trusted in the system and I thought this is going to give me relief. Little did I know my life would get so much worse. And that's saying something because what happened was happening to me under being under the rule of my ex-husband was horrific. But what, ha what the government, what the judges, what the police department did to me was worse. Because all of a sudden now I have a man who's threatened to kill me. And there were even two good cops who, who were few and far between, but they filed that he had violated the restraining order. He kept driving by my house. There were dead animals left at my door. Keep in mind, none of this kind of thing ever happened to me prior to me filing a restraining order. So who is going to be doing this type of thing, you know? So they made it clear that they're not going to protect me. They're not going to arrest him. So all of a sudden... It's the devil that you know or the devil that you don't know. At least when I was in the same house, I had certain amount of, um, oh, I was, I was aware of kind of, of what was going on. 
Then all of a sudden he's out of the house. He's sneaking in. He's breaking in. He's driving by. I don't know where or when this is going to come from or how I'm going to might be killed. So it just be really careful when dealing with police departments and things like that, because that's what I'm out here to say is you have to be careful who you trust. And I, and I hate to say this because I want to believe, I, I do believe there can be a good form of police. I'm not like anti police. I just think that the people that are running these things need to be removed and replaced and it needs to be rebuilt from the ground up. We obviously need protection. Women and children need protection, but it has to be by people who are not profiting off of protecting anybody because then whoever, you know, you can't profit off the protection of children because it just breeds corruption. Man, I'll tell you very well articulated Luke um, shatter shatterops.org. Of course, the, Legacy of Russ Dizdar lives on uh, by way of shatterops.org. Folks, please visit that website. Luke is also with us, of course, heavily involved, directly involved with Afia and the situation. Now, the situation at this point, two years has gone by. There has been absolutely no positive movement. No one has stepped up and said, look, you know what? I will help you uh, remove the children from from harm. And by the way, your ex-husband is a uh, big Hollywood something or other, uh, not producer, but uh, what would you what, what, what is it? he's big in Hollywood? I guess. Yeah, he, he 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 does special effects stuff on a lot of the Marvel movies and and is all over doing stuff. But I mean, there were so many times I wanted to jump in on, on what she was saying. Yeah. To be clear, well, go ahead. that's not her necessarily her website. That's some people that are trying to just expose to what's going on. And there's not necessarily every single document, but there is a lot of information to dive in and learn. Um, and it's just so frustrating. Um, not even in just this case, the fact that America literally just, we, we've just chosen just to not even care about our own flipping kids. You know what I mean? It's like, at what point, if we won't stand up for our own kids, do we even deserve to be a nation? And the, and the fact that you have Christian churches and Christian men that will not do a single thing, I mean, from abortion to just the missing kids that are coming across the border, everybody wants to be so compassionate about the illegal immigrants coming across. But what about the kids that are being abused and used? And it's all about funneling money and, and this. I mean, this is just a small fraction of how corrupt and how, you know, people say they care, but they really don't because they won't do anything about it. They care enough to feel bad for five minutes while they're listening to something, but nobody wants to feel bad enough to actually step up. And not that we haven't had some great people that have come in and tried to support and help fund her. Um, but I mean, it is a huge uphill battle to try to do this thing the right way. I mean, she is trying to do this the correct way and by the law, and it has gotten her nowhere but um, losing every ability to even support herself or fund her own deal. And now we have to try to go out and, and, and get people to raise money. I mean, to, to get to where she wants through the legal systems, I mean, it might be half a million dollars or more to get her to where she needs to be. Um, and it's just so frustrating reaching out to people, trying to get them to help. I mean, hopefully we have a few leads on some people, but until they really take it on and go after it, I mean, we don't know. It is completely frustrating from the top down in this country on what we really think about our kids. Cause the proof's in the pudding, you know what I mean? From abortion 
to nobody cares. They say they do. Even even Christian leaders, they say they care. They really don't care because they won't do a daggum thing about it. Um, kids being trafficked, won't do anything about it. Mothers having their kids taken away. That really is happening. She is not just, it's not a one-off, unfortunately. Like, I mean, this is me the second or third time we've dealt with something. Obviously, I'm hugely passionate about this because we've tried to do as much as we can to help her and do it legally and do it in the right way. And it, it, I just, I feel terrible because as frustrating as it makes me and as bad as I feel about it, I don't have to, I don't have to live with it every day. I mean, sh- this has got to be on her mind all the time. And she just feels like she, she's at her wits end to just be like, I, I don't know, but I'm ready to just do whatever I can to just try to get this process going, no matter what it looks like, putting her own life at risk, putting her own freedom at risk. Um, she's just, at her wits end and i completely understand where are we at now because again this is a special folks this is a special broadcast and uh now having not seen her children for two years not knowing their physical condition left with people who have been reported to beat and abuse her children Afia, what are you contemplating? Where, where, what are you? Where are you at with this right now? Well, Doug, this is <laughs> this is a very frustrating situation. And honestly, even though I, through this process of getting the restraining order, like I described to you, and fleeing and hoping to get help in another state and not getting it. <clears throat> And having two years pass, um, you know, two birthdays, two Christmases, <laughs> and still thinking that like somebody out there was going to do investigation or something like that, and it just not happening. Um, I have now decided, you know, and keep in mind, I know what I'm up against. I know that I'm putting in myself in serious harm's way, but I just don't see any other way at this point. So um, I've decided to turn myself in to the authorities in Los Angeles um, and kind of see where it goes from there. There is a lot of evidence, new evidence that can be submitted in court. And keep in mind, I'm, I'm terrified. But, you know, just like Peaky's mother, sometimes it just takes like one mother that just digs her heels and is like, no. And if what my what is my only other choice to like just be afraid and go away and ignore it? I can't. Every day is heavy on my heart. It's they are heavy in my heart. I dream about them every night. They're they're always with me. I pray for them every day. I pray for all of the children every day, not just mine. I pray for the mothers that are in my situation. Um, and, and maybe that's what I am supposed to do is just to go in there and be bold, no matter what the consequences are. And if more people did that, then maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. So I'm not like a super brave person. I'm, I just honestly feel like I don't have any other choice except to do this. Um, and you know, my son is four. He has my my youngest son is four. He's he's darling. Um, he's a real spitfire. <laughs> but you know, I have 14 more years where I can fight for him in court. I'm just be ready. Because if I have to fight for 14 more years, I will do that. I will fight for the rest of my life. What is life worth? You know, Jesse Sr., my ex-husband used to tell me, 
the only thing that matters anything, the only thing that matters in my life and the only thing you should care about is my comfort. I actually believe the obvious, opposite. What is our comfort worth if we don't have any freedom? Let's get a little uncomfortable. Let's be willing to do things that no one else will do because it's not about you ultimately. It's about your children. It's about the next generation. And we can slide on by because we have just enough, we're comfortable just enough and we have just enough freedom, just enough money. You know, it's not as bad as it is in other countries or whatever excuse people are making, but that can go downhill fast. So, you know, if people are comp- contemplating doing the doing the brave thing or doing the right thing and they don't want to do it because of the consequences, just take, take a step out and do it anyways. Because, you know, the reward will be worth it, I believe, just in your soul, just in what it's not about you. It's what happens to your children. It's what, what happens to their children and their children is, that we have to think about. And as parents, we revoke our rights to ourselves. We are now living for the next generation. And I think people just don't get that. They're just, their kids are almost an accessory, you know? And I'm not saying that everybody, but a lot of people, it's like, care about what things look like when it's rotting in from the core. And we just need to stop that. We need to take the brave steps. I'm just at this frustrated point where I don't know what else to do. So I'm just going to take that step. And something else, you know, with the bail system in California, there's there's this new law where they have no bail, right? So basically, they can um, the DA can go when I turn myself in at the arraignment and say, oh, well, she's a flight risk, even though I'm going to be willingly turning myself into the system. So I'd hardly call myself a flight risk. But they could say that, and that would be a way for them to just put me in jail without any bail. So not only did they put a half a million dollars on my head, they could just very well go in there and stick me in jail, even if somehow um, it's a miracle and somebody's able to put up that bail for me, which actually there's some people considering that because they trust me because I'm a trustworthy person, but they still might go and revoke bail. They're also using that same law to just let rapists and you know uh, pedophiles and people like that out. But they're using the law right now to keep people like me, mothers trying to defend their children, in prison. And I know of several cases like that too. So I know very well what I'm up against, but um, like well, I said, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, you know? I mean, absent of, of any assistance, look, we've asked for assistance for attorney, you know, you know, there are a lot of people who talk a good game. Okay. Um, I, I am not, Luke has never been behind a mic. Um, without working in the field i'm away from the mic working in the field but but you know a lot of like you said many people will uh say wow i'll pray for you well it's not enough i mean thank you but and and thank you for for that but that's not enough we need action what's the alternative Uh, and, and i've gone through this the last couple of days uh with luke as well What's the alternative to you turning yourself in? You, 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 you stay away. But what's plan C, if, if that's such a thing? I don't know that I have a plan C. <laughs> I mean... I mean, plan A would be turning yourself in. Plan B is, well, I guess what's plan B? If, if you don't turn yourself in, well, plan B would be just simply 
waiting, but but that's doing sure. no one any good sure. because no one's coming to your aid mm-hmm. that's capable of that's tactically and strategically capable of helping you. Mm-hmm. So this is where we're at. I, I guess I'm looking for. I don't. I don't know somebody to be able to in thinking out loud. Um, why should he have custody of the children if if there's abuse there? There's documented abuse. Uh, is there not a quote knight in shining armor or a team that that could that could extract them from the danger in which in which they they're in? Um, you know, I, again, I'm just, I, I'm just asking. I, I don't know, um, but, but, but the, but the fact is that no one has stepped up to. Uh, well, no one of of substance has stepped up. Um, it, it just hurts my heart. And, and you know, we're doing everything we we can from this end. Um, I, I don't know what, what to say. Uh, I, go ahead, Afia. I, I guess I'm just rambling here at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, what we need to happen is we need, in general, I mean, America needs to be um, awakened. <laughs> I'll say that word correctly these days. Awakened to the fact that we've got to get off our butts and do something. You know what I mean? Like, are there not enough people with some righteous anger in, in California that will do something? And there's, is there nobody in the feds or the state or the local that will look in to what really went on and look into this guy right now and make sure the kids are okay um, and put some pressure on the legal system to take a, a look at this? I mean, it is, you know, and, and, and people can put pressure on from anywhere in the country. I mean, there needs to be pressure. This is a case that we hope everybody will share and that tons of people out there will learn about if they haven't already. And the ones who have need to step up and start pushing it and making some noise and making some rutkus. Um, talk about it to the lawmakers, talk about it to the to the county or the state board and to the local police department or whoever else. Um, I mean, we need people to act, to speak, to do something, um, need to help support her out there, need to make sure she's okay. Um, you know, there, there's so many ways people just need to, to step up. I mean, I know you guys on this platform have, have lots of people and people have done stuff. So we're not just knocking, you know, just people who are just generally going to be listening to this because there have been some great, awesome people to step up and do stuff. We just need more. We need more of it. Um, because we're trying to do it the right way. Um, and, you know, just like she said, we're just going to trust in the Lord that it does it. So, yeah, we do cover your prayers. We pray that the Lord will just turn people. But some guys specifically need to have some righteous anger and need to start stepping in and just quit taking. No, this is just the way it is for an answer and start making some changes and do some stuff. So, I mean, I'm encouraged just listening to her. I'm, I'm, I want to be more bold and figure out what else I can do just by listening to her. Um, you know, and then you got men in so many areas that just still will do nothing. And it's, uh, it, she's so encouraging to me, but then it's so maddening to see the reality of people who could probably do more and they just don't do anything at all. So I'm, Amen. I'm sorry just to ramble and be so frustrated, but this is just so frustrating because it's the, the injustice of what's gone on time and time and time again. And it's been going on for years is just an atrocity. Yeah. Another thing that was interesting to know is, um, 
it was on, I was watching one of Sean Ryan's shows and he had an ex-military guy who actually goes out and um, into different countries and rescues children who are kept by ISIS. And it's horrific situations, obviously. Um, but that guy was saying that it is easier to do a rescue like that outside of the country than it is in the United States. In our own country, it's more difficult to rescue and save our own children than it is to go to some third world country and rescue children there. It's far more difficult. It's far more risky because the laws are not on the side of the protectors. The laws are on the side of the abusers. The laws are on the side of the pedophiles, you know? And another thing is, um, you know, <laughs> I reported to the police um, that I had seen my ex-husband looking at child porn. I mean, the FBI could do an investigation on that. They never even took his cell phone. I found um, we had a huge, um, like 1800 square foot garage um, that my ex-husband used for his special effects equipment. I had never really gone through there, but after I filed the restraining order, I did. I found explosives that came from De La Mer Engineering, which is a company that manufactures explosives in Los Angeles for the film business. I found explosives in a box before I filed the restraining order in the truck right beneath the car seat. So this is, I mean, he's an alcoholic. He's out of control. He's in charge of huge explosions for Marvel, all of the, the car explosions. I mean, it's out of control. Somebody could have gone into our garage, stolen the explosives and blown up half a Pasadena. You know, or my children could have gone in the garage and blown themselves up. He had applied at our home to um, legally hold explosives in our in his garage by the ATF. The ATF denied him. He was keeping them there anyways. And then when I report this, you know, I'm not, I don't understand how the law works and I just got my restraining order. I'm incredibly traumatized. And I report this to my first attorney. Hey, I found explosives in the garage. He says, well, I'll, he doesn't tell me to call the police. I don't know what to do. He doesn't tell me to call the ATF. He actually says, oh, well, I'm going to call um, Jesse's attorney. So he calls my ex-husband attorney, calls me back and says, hey, we just don't think it's a wise thing. Or Jesse Sr.'s doesn't, attorney, Aaron Gray, doesn't think it's a wise thing for you to report this to, a, to the ATF because you might not be able to pay child support. Because then the attorneys wouldn't get paid. So the attorneys know very well this is a racket. They just, they don't want anybody going to jail. They don't want any, they don't want pedophiles paying the consequences. Why? Because if they make a lot of money, they're not going to get paid. So then they're out of a job. So I really, I mean, to find a good family law attorney that isn't motivated solely by money, because it's a huge racket. You can spend five, six, seven hundred, a million dollars, millions of dollars if your children are young, like my son Asher from the age two to 18, paying legal fees just to fight about all this stuff. And you never get justice. And at most, you get 50% custody, which is what they were trying to give me in the beginning. But I mean, am I going to live? Am I going to leave my children 50% of the time with a horrific family with a history of sexual abuse and child abuse and who are teaching my children about um, pedophilia, teaching my children about serial killers that kill babies, cut babies' arms and legs off? That was the last thing they told me before I took them to Atlanta is that's what grandma and grandpa were telling them about. I mean, it's just disgusting. And you can have proof of all of this in court and it, it, they don't care because everybody's making a percentage. And I can't prove that the judges are, but I mean, 
there's the wheels are being oiled, the wheels of justice into the favor of the powerful and the favor of the the person with money. And if you have money, they will take it away from you if you're not on the powerful side. So that's what happened with me. I can't imagine like people that have zero money at all having to depend on um, attorneys that work within the system to defend them. That's got to be a total loss. So there are a few people that have stood up. But I mean, these are some really horrific things that are going on. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's very difficult in the United States to get justice. And the other thing I found out um, as I was considering turning myself in and made that decision it was a very difficult decision. It did not come lightly. Oh, by the way, I, which, you, which you have not done yet. You have not done that yet. I have not done that yet. Correct. Uh, if folks... Read between the lines here, okay? She hasn't done that yet. Go ahead. Right. I have not done that yet. But as I was, you know, considering that and doing some research, because again, I, I this is, I don't even know anybody that's been to jail. <laughs> I did not grow up in, in a situation like that. So I don't even have anybody to call and be like, what's that like? I only have like TV shows to go by and that's horrifying. But um did you know that the United States holds 20% of the world's population of prisoners? Yeah. I was for a free country and I'm thinking, who are, who are these people and what have they done? And how many of them are actually criminals and how many are they, how many of them are like J6er type people, you know, that really didn't do anything, but they're just political criminals, you know, they're, they just actually wanted to stand up for something nonviolently you know, and this is the punishment that you get is if you say anything against the system, you're imprisoned. And I think it's not just with I think it's any anybody that says anything that isn't against this. Um, like you say, the left narrative is in danger of being imprisoned. And so that's why and I think in the back of our minds, we know that. And that's why people are unwilling to speak. They figure, oh, if I just, you know, just kind of lay low, enjoy my life, you know, don't make any waves. Yeah, you can get through, but what, how are you going to feel about yourself? And what are you teach your, teaching your children when you get through life like that? And how long are you even going to be able to do that for, you know, another five years before it comes, the hammer comes down another 10 years. Like it's. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. All right. We, we, we only have about seven minutes left um uh, afia is there anything else that you want to convey to the audience the viewers the listeners in this very special report and and luke uh i offer you the same sure um thanks doug yeah a couple um final thoughts that i have um one <laughs> i'm kind of uh motivated by what carrie lake had to say when the clintons were after her <laughs> um I just want to say publicly that I am not suicidal. Um, and, and I joke about that, but I'm also saying it seriously. I don't know what's going to happen when I turn myself in. I, I do at this point, after everything I've been through, I, I take these people very seriously. The judges, the Noel family. I, I don't, I don't think that they're past anything, let alone killing someone. So I, I just want to make that clear. I mean, Hopefully through the times that I've been on your broadcast, you can see that I'm far too passionate to give in. So I just want to make that clear. Um, and then also, um, I, 
Yeah. Okay. So one other thing that, that I was just really thinking about yesterday is the, that God is sovereign. He is ultimately in control, but he uses his people and being sovereign means like you, you cannot be checked by anyone or anything. You're at the top. So, you know, our president, he's not sovereign. No one on this earth is sovereign except for God. And we will be held accountable for everything that we do. All these people that are, are living their life for the temporary, for the money, for the power, it's going to be gone one day. And guess what? You're going to have to face God. And he doesn't play like that. <laughs> he, he demands a high, he has high demands and expectations for his people and how we're supposed to live and what we're supposed to do. And I just want to remind people of that, that this, this is temporary. If you are in power, if you have money, that's temporary. So if there's anybody wavering on the border, I would just like to remind you that you better pick the right team. And by that team, I'm talking about the team that wants to take care of children, the team that hates pedophiles. I'm talking God's team here. Um, the team that wants to, to take care of our society and our children. So, you know, there's only one being that is sovereign and that is him. And as far as like, you know, oh gosh. So I think we have people that are, you know, straight up just evil people. I think we have people that are working for evil people and just letting it sort of go by. Um, and then, you know, I think there's those people on the fence and there's people like us that are fighting tooth and nail for the right thing and to, to do the good thing and the right thing. And I just want to remind the evil people that your time is up and it doesn't necessarily mean death. Your time could be up tomorrow. As far as like things can change on a dime. We have a whole remnant of people in this country that are fed up. And I'm calling on those people because all we need is a small remnant of people that are fed up to, and we can dethrone all of this sickness in our country. I really believe that we just have to stick to our guns. It doesn't have to be everybody. It doesn't even have to be half of the people. It can be a small remnant, a streak of people. The Bible talks about that all the time. God uses his remnant. So if just those few people can build up that passion in their heart and do the right thing, it'll be worth it, you know? And then of course, I just wanted to have a little... Um, just say a little thing about my sons because they're obviously, you know, who would have thought with my background, I, I was a professional ballerina. <laughs> I actually owned a dance studio with, with 500 kids and I went into real estate. Like I just never thought I would be this passionate promoter for children, but that's what I am now. And I can't imagine that dissipating or going away, but um, my sons inspire me because my son spoke to almost a dozen people. He was so brave. I would tell him, you know, the truth and the truth would set you free. I mean, imagine being nine and 10 years old and screaming to adults about what happened to you and having them not listen to you and try to shut you down and you keep talking. So he's a little warrior. I can't wait to see what happens with him. And my little Asher, he's a warrior too. He's feisty. <laughs> he's a feisty guy. So Daniel, I, Jess, my son, Jesse, his middle name is Daniel. And I used to call him Daniel of the lion's den, um, based on the biblical story. He's just, he just has a strength 
And honestly, he inspires me to keep going because I feel like, wow, if I could be half as brave as him, like that's incredible. I actually look up to him and that's a bizarre thing to look up to your own child, but um, that's the truth. And, you know, little Asher, I call him Ash Man, little Ash Man. Um, he's a fighter too. So I just know that if I can get to my kids, like I think all of this can be redeemed and we just can't give up because, you know, there's healing and there's redemption for not just my kids, but all the kids that are going through this. And that, that is, that is the payment that you will receive. That is the satisfaction in this life, in the land of the living. We will see that we'll see healing of our children if we stand up and, and that's going to be so worth it. So I don't know. Just want to leave you with that. That's beautiful. <laughs> and, and, and folks, um, Afia is one of the finest women, um, mothers, uh, citizens of the, I mean, folks, she's a real deal, Afia, and she's a fighter, she's a warrior, and she's a believer in God, and and uh, I just, I, I my, my heart hurts for her, which is why, of course, we're doing this. Luke, I'm going to turn it over to you, we have a couple of minutes left, go ahead and take uh go ahead and take it uh, yeah hard to follow that man that's that was yeah. inspiring to me just just to hear that just who she is and and her boys being such warriors and being so strong and courageous and just pushing through um for for us just to do our small part man that's just humbling to even you know get to play a role um you know out there to the to the pedophiles and to the wicked you know justice is coming and this life or the next, you will get it. And it would be merciful for you to get it right now. Oh, we're coming for you right now. Just to um, say, go ahead. It, it, it would be merciful for, for, for you to receive it right now because you got one chance to, to fix things and do it right. I would call out to the same to law enforcement, especially in California. And, uh, you know, the ones in Georgia have dropped the ball, like to, to, to fix it, to get it straight, to fix it. Somebody out there has got to do it. Um, and then just calling out for some family and law attorneys out in California that that would just have the courage to step up and step behind this and and just to just to help us out. I, I'm sure there's some really good ones out there. I can think of one particularly in Northern California. Um, she's a family law attorney. Uh, I won't call out her name, but her husband even used to be a be a pedophile. Like we need some help of some people who have who have done this and can step in and help her fight, help us fight to make this thing right um, and just just calling on people to, to, yes, we need your prayers, but we need some imprecatory prayers. And we pray that the Lord would break the teeth of the wicked, that he'd break their arms. Um, if they're not going to turn, that he would just strike them dead. Um, I got no problem doing that at all. It's biblical in the Psalms, and it's, even Paul did it one time in the New Testament. So um, some imprecatory prayers, praying for us, praying for a, the, the case and Aphia and our kids, but also praying against the evil and against the wicked. And uh, your time is coming. So... So, um, you know, Luke, thank you. Luke, shatterops.org. Of course, the uh, legacy of Russ Dizdar uh, lives on and the work through uh, Luke and others. My goodness, if a better organization you will not find. And really, one of my, one of my favorite people now in the world is Ophia, um, who's shown immense courage and uh, a fighting spirit and uh, willing to do what, what she's got to do to 
to see your children again, which is just beyond any comprehension. So we ask folks that anyone listening, anyone viewing this, uh, who can who can help? Um, Shatteroff.org can be the uh, uh, Luke. Would, would you be the intermediary? Yep, so, absolutely. Okay. Yep, anything that they send, especially you know, hopefully they'll they'll make a note in there. They can go to shatterops.org and and donate and put to Afia. And if it's obviously if we know it comes in all quick at one time, we'll know that. And the uh, there's a I, I think we have our PO box on there. They can email and contact us through there and just say, hey, I'm I, I want to help support this. Um, again, we'd love for some family law attorneys out there to step up. We'd love for some people to help support it because it's going to be a a journey to to do it the right way. So. Well, folks, and to those bad people listening, I'm going to tell you right now: we, uh, uh, if if one hair on the uh, on the head of Afia or the children is harmed, uh, God help you, because no one else will. We will be Afia. We will be with you closely, every step of the way. Whatever decision you try, you, you make. Or perhaps anything new that comes because of this broadcast, um, we're going to be right beside you. And folks, we'll keep you up to date with respect to what's going on with Afia and her children. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being the fighter who you are. Amen. Thank you so much, Doug. All right, folks, that'll do it. Luke from ShatterOps.org, Afia. Uh, now, Afia has a website that it's not her website, but uh, information can be found on there, psalm91protection.com. The links will be in the program description box. Meanwhile, as I'm on the road, um, watch hagmanpi.com. And, uh, again, we'll keep you posted with respect to Afia, with respect to Shatter Ops. And, by the way, real quick, as a related note, I've been in communication with Michael Yon, who's down in Panama right now about this about the child trafficking about the trafficking in general brett weinstein was down there others were down there he had taken others down to the uh, canal Darien gap and, and other places folks there's a lot of things going on that you may not think are related to what a fee, uh, fee is going through but in fact is indeed related by way of the people involved keep that in mind with that I wish you, Luke, and you, Afia, the best. Folks, God bless each and every one of you. Thank you so much for tuning in, and please share this with everyone you know. Post it on social media, but I beg of you, look, it's not about us. It's about the children. May, may God protect the children, and may God rise, raise someone up uh, to, to step in on Afia's behalf and save the children. God bless you, folks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Save Them podcast. As always, you can find us at savethem.org. See you next time. Thank you and donkey.